Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. We have 100 episodes under our belts now, and somehow it took us this long to talk about AHA, arguably the most beloved 80s one-hit wonder ever released. It felt like it was time to fix this and dive into the song that's been making people push their falsetto to the limit at karaoke bars around the world. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties forever And it makes me wonder, is it just a wonder or is it one hit thunder? 100 episodes. Yeah, that's crazy. We've done 100 episodes. For our 100th episode, we're going to talk about something that's questionable if it's a one-hit wonder. So Really? Yeah. No, this is not questionable whatsoever. This is a song I can't believe it's taken us 100 episodes to talk, to talk about, first of all. So they actually had a second top 20 hit, and we'll get into that. But even in their Wikipedia, it says, as the years passed, the only song that people remembered and endured was Take On Me, and they are widely considered a one-hit thun- one wonder. So, Are you telling me that The Sun Always Shines on TV was a top 20 hit? Dude. Yeah. Nobody so, knows that song. So, I heard it for the first time ever today. <laughs> nobody knows that song. So let's get into AHA. Here's one thing that I'm going to tell you that I think is pretty cool. They started as a trio, and as of 2022... The band is still the exact same three guys that started the band in 1985. Never had a band member change. They're still a band. They're still a band. When's the last time they put out an album? They have an album coming out next year. Wow. Okay. (laughs) All right. So they never gave up. Uh, They got their name. They were trying to find a name for the band. And they were 
looking through an English dictionary to try to find an English word because they're like, we're Norwegian, we got a hit in the States. And instead, they were looking at each other's songbooks and someone had a song called Aha. And the direct quote from the lead vocalist was, it was a terrible song, but a great name. I like the name. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the other fun fact that I learned before they ever recorded a song was <laughs> they selected the studio in which they would record and the producer who they would work with who would later become their manager because he owned a Spaced Invaders cabinet. <laughs> wow. That's cool. I mean, that's about as 80s as it gets. And this song is, I would say this is the song of the 80s. When you think of the 80s, this is the first song I think of. I think that that's a fair argument. I think that it is the 80s song. It was the first song they ever wrote as a group. Just whoa, like knocked it out of the park day one. <laughs> Damn, that is like starting at the top and then just going. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I haven't listened to their whole catalog. I'm sure they have some other great songs. What we dove into as far as other songs that were singles and stuff, it's not that they were bad. It's just not the same. Memorable. Yeah. Not memorable. This is like the most memorable song possible. And this song almost didn't work for them. They tried to release it two separate times and it didn't chart. And then they released a music video. Yeah. And if we want to talk about the power of MTV, the song that no radio station would touch, a music video drops that is like widely considered one of the most groundbreaking music videos of the 80s. And it skyrocketed us to number one. It was a number one billboard hit. The music video, and I would be surprised if anyone out there hasn't seen it. It's been parodied and it's it's... Very iconic music video, but basically where the human characters turn into animated sketch sketches. sketches. They're not yeah. even like cartoons, really. They're just sketches in a sketch pad, which is right. cool. Right. Yeah. It's a really cool. It would be a cool video if it came out now. Yeah. It's it's really, really dope. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's ground again, groundbreaking. Like that is the word to use to describe it. Yeah, it's great. Also, yeah, probably with maybe the exception of Sledgehammer and some would argue there's a few Michael Jackson videos that you could throw in there, but probably the best music video of the 80s. But I get that. I get that the music video is what launched the song into superstardom, but I think the song stands on its own too. Talking about that music video, according to the Wikipedia page, it actually said that the music video is considered one of the most distinctive videos from the 80s and that on February 17th of 2020, it was the fifth music video to have 1 billion views oh. on YouTube. Do you know what the other four videos were that got there first? Oh, uh, is Thriller one of them? No. Shockingly, oh. so it's not like Taylor Swift or no, it, or so Bieber. Or I was I was shocked to see this. It was there's two Guns and Roses songs. Oh, so uh, Sweet Child of Mine and November Rain, mm -hmm. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, okay. and Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. No, I can't believe that it's not like Drake and Taylor Swift. Oh, my, hold on a second. I may have missed a, a key thing here. <laughs> Sorry. One of one of only five songs of the entire 20th century. So I guess we're now uh, in the 21st century. Right. I was going to say, yeah. Drake definitely has. Some. I was going to say, as you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, no, I feel like like Gundam style may have broken yeah, a billion like by now. Justin Bieber's definitely broken a billion. Okay, so of the 20th century, so of the pre-YouTube okay. era, it's only one of five music okay. videos to ever crack that. All right. Well, justified. Like we said, it's a great video, but... I think it's the best of those five. 
as far as music videos go. So you said the two Guns N' Roses were... Sweet Child of Mine, which is literally which, just them playing in a practice space, basically. Yeah, I think that's just on the the song. And then November Rain, like it's a it's an impressive video, but I yeah. think that Take On Me is a better video. What were the other two? Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit okay. and Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. Like they're all... Like those three are all iconic videos, but I think Aha is the most impressive of them just for okay. time uh, and and the quality of it. Like, right, right. We're not saying the song. We're saying the music video. Yeah, the yeah, music I'll, video. I'll, I'll agree with that. But the song stands on its... I'm surprised that it took the music video because the song is... Every moment of this song is so memorable. It's got every element of the 80s that you could imagine. It's got, the singer has one of those very 80s European voices. Yep. The synth sounds that were very popular in the 80s. It's got, yeah, obviously those elements of electronic music that became very popular in the 80s. And it's got a chorus with the high notes that are fun to sing or try to sing. And it's so memorable. You I, know? I think it's something you said on the Gautier episode where like there's some songs where because they bounce all over in range, they're re- like you said, really fun to sing along with. And I think that this song has that even in the verses, because you go from that low to the high real quick. Where it's like talking away. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's left to say. I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's nonstop fun melodies all over the place. I think it's great. I mean, yeah, it's been pounded in our heads a good bit and it is the 80s song but i i I can't deny this song and there's been a lot of great covers of it too like real big fish did a good cover of it i've heard some beautiful acoustic renditions of it too like it feels like a song that as much as it's tied to that 80s synth sound it transposes into other genres very smoothly yeah when do we get in the country version of this one (laughs) i'm sure it's out there (laughs) yeah i bet there is a country (laughs) version of this and i bet it sucks (laughs) But this song, like you said, it propelled them to number one and made them the first Norwegian band to ever have a number one U.S. Wow. hit. Yeah, they... I don't even know... I don't if, know if there was ever a second. <laughs> I don't know, like, what other Norwegian artists am I not thinking of? Yeah. Who would I even know? Was the Cardigans, were they Norwegian? or mm. No, they were Swedish. Swedish. Swedish, yeah. Sweden's got... Sweden's had their share <laughs> of artists, but Norway? I don't know. So I have... So here's one that... You know how, like... You always see those things where it's like, what was the number one song when you were born? And like, mm-hmm. you can like, so this is the number one song the day I was born. Wow. Was it, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. It was only on the, it was number one for one week. Wow. I gotta say, I'm looking at the billboard, all the number one hits for 1985. Mm-hmm. This was a weird year. Yeah. This was a really weird year. Not many songs lasted more than a week or two as the number one hit. Like it was constantly rotating out like tears for fears had a couple that lasted a while. We are the world careless whisper and like a virgin were like the biggest singles of the whole year. Mm -hmm. This is how much jumping around happened towards the later end of the year, because from basically in September, the number one song was money for nothing by dire straits from that point on, basically no song could hold the number one spot for more than a week or two. And I don't know most of these, Ready for the world, oh Sheila. Oh Sheila. Yeah, that's a good jam. Okay. Then it was Take On Me. Then it was Whitney Houston, Saving All My Love For You. Saving All My Love. Okay, I do know that one. I was like, I don't recognize that title. Oh, so good. Stevie Wonder, Part-Time Lover. Oh, do, 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 So good. The Miami Vice theme song. Uh, no. Jonathan London probably likes that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Starship, we built this city. Oh, wow. Yeah, that one held it for two whole days. Phil Collins, Separate Lives. Uh, I barely know that song. <laughs> I, I think if I heard it, I would recognize it, but I can't think of what it is. And then rounding out December was Mr. Mr. Broken Wings. Oh, and Lionel Richie, Say You, Say Me. I like most of those songs. I think that, but it's like, it is, it's just like, Oshila had it for one week. Aha had it for one week. Whitney had it for one yeah. week. Stevie had, like, I was just like, what was happening where just, people were just like, all right, over it. Next song. Just like, a lot of good songs. There was too much battle. And the only reason I did it this way, this is the other thing, is normally I'll be like, oh, here's all the songs that were like in the top 10 when this was the number one hit. I just read them all. Like it was literally everything that was in the top 10. They just cycled their way into number one eventually. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. And what was determining that? Radio airplay or people going out and buying cassette singles? That I mean, I guess both of those things are factored in. I guess in. that's factor does this ever say in here well it doesn't matter now i mean i I don't know that that is good to know but yeah your your point is that it wasn't like boys to men and mariah carey holding the top spot for for like 15 weeks or something crazy yeah Yeah. Yeah. no there was none of that so then they released their second single Mm -hmm. right take on me it's massive they released a second single the sun always shines on tv it's a top 20 hit and it also has a popular music video really and this is where aha gets a really cool distinction that video also gets nominated for a ton of music videos leading to a combined 11 nominations and eight wins between two music videos which was the highest combination that anyone had ever had for two videos consecutively the next year peter gabriel beat it by having two music videos where it was a combined 13 nominations and nine wins but since 1986, even as they've added more video categories, no artist has ever matched it. Wow. For Peter Gabriel, it had to be big time and Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. Right? That's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Which, like, big time is fun, but it's basically just like Sledgehammer 2.0. Like, like yeah. it was like, well, this worked. Let's just do it again. Right. From what I remember of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, but I thought that's kind of cool that they're in the record books with Peter Gabriel for, for this, like, thing that has only been achieved twice. But how do... I mean, you and I for sure, and I'd assume 99% of the listeners don't remember this other aha song or the video. Nope, not at all. (laughs) And uh, why is that? I don't know. I'm wondering if the flip side is maybe it's exactly like what happened with Peter Gabriel, where if you watch it, it's basically just take on me music video 2.0. Like they just, I think I've seen it once. And I do think it's almost like a sequel to take on me. Like it's like more of the sketch romance continuing in the sketch pad type thing. Wow. Yeah. Really? They were big on music video sequels in the 80s, I yeah, think. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, and I also, we listened to the song, and the song was not memorable nope. to me. Can't tell you a single thing. We listened it, to it 30 minutes ago, yeah, and it's gone. I, yeah, it, <laughs> it did not stand out. Although, I, I feel if I would have heard Take On Me for the first time, I would still remember it right yeah. now. Because you'd just sure. be like, like, even if you didn't remember any of the words, that, that hook in the musicianship is like locked and loaded in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So... In 1986, this is still the the epic tale of just their first year as a band. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. 
I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. They were nominated for best new artist Grammy, but they lost to Sade. You mean Sade? Whatever. <laughs> Same thing. Sade. Say Sade. <laughs> Spelling's there. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sade, for those who don't know, is a very iconic soul artist. Very well known for Sweetest Taboo. And, and a lot of babies were made to Sade yeah. over the years. Okay. Or, or to my eyes, it's Shade or, without an or, H. Or Sade. Or Sade. As, as Matt <laughs> likes to refer to Sade. Okay. So as much as we're talking a lot of trash on the sun always shines on tv it's actually their only number one hit in the uk wow. it out charted take on me i don't get it i don't get it either but across europe they had multiple hits like this is one of the situations where it's debatably a one-hit wonder in the states but it is definitely they are definitely not a one-hit wonder in a lot of other countries but they remained active throughout the rest of the 80s into the 90s, they even performed at the 1994 Winter Olympics when it was held at Norway. Then they went on a four-year hiatus so they could do some solo work, but then came back in 1998 and just continued to release albums and tour until 2007 and even performed at the 2005 Live Aid in Berlin. I give them a lot of credit for that. I mean, they that's what I complain about artists. That's what I complain about. Like five had a giant hit and then like, yeah, bye. broke. Yeah. <laughs> then they're like, oh, peace. We're out of here. Fucking idiots. Th- that's awesome. I've thought about this and, and I know you have too, but 1985 take on me comes out. Yeah. It's the most 80s song ever. It's right in the middle of the eighties back to the futures coming out all this 80s stuff all the all these yeah, power of love eight. number one hit just a couple weeks prior wow okay yeah. can you believe and now think about 1994 which is a very grunge is just starting to trail off because kurt cobain's dead okay like, but yeah that's the music's but, landscape at that point okay let's even talk yeah grunge uh smells like teen spirit can you believe there's only like six or seven years between take on me and smells like teen spirit. It's insane. How is that possible? Cause think about like, we're recording this in 2021, six or seven years ago is 2014, 2015. I mean, what are we talking? We're talking about Drake team. We might be talking about used to call me on my cell phone. Oh my like, God. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we're talking about here is like that gap that seems like nothing to me. These songs, songs that came out in 2000, 
14 seemed still like, oh, you know what was po- popular around then was like the Fetty Wap and like yeah. stuff like that, which doesn't seem that long ago to me. But think about the difference between Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit and Take On Me. And, you know, we're talking about 15 maybe 1800 days, 1500 to 1800 days between when Nirvana happened and take on me as top in the charts. That's such a short time for there to be such a musical evolution Um, and throw hair metal in there in between there. Yeah. That just happened to pop up in the middle. Just out of curiosity, I wanted to look. So 2014, the number one song, according to billboards, like end of the year, everything was happy Pharrell. Okay. and yeah, that doesn't feel that far away. And I it mean, doesn't feel that distinct from what's still coming yeah, out. Yeah, if Happy like, came out today, it would still be... Yeah, it doesn't sound different from, from music. Yeah, It was also the year of uh, Magic Rude. Uh, it was the oh, seventh yeah. biggest song of the year. Okay. So. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So. I mean, are we that past Magic Rude yet? If Magic Rude... I don't think so. Like, I'm looking at this and it's like Pompeii by Bastille. Like, that song, I think, would would still hit if it came out in 2021. Um, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift would still, I think, be oh, a hit. Oh, yeah. I mean... Turn Down for What by DJ Snake featuring Little John. Like, I think that those songs would still fit into the modern Turn radio. Turn Down for What does seem kind of old now. But Shake It Off, yeah. like, if that came out today, that would still be a hit for yeah. Taylor. I mean, Taylor Swift has just kind of evolved into less of a straight-up pop artist uh, and and collaborating with Boney Bear and stuff. Yeah, like, I'd say like this, actually. Honestly, I guess what the point is, is like... I'm looking at this list of artists. I'm looking at the artists who had the 20 biggest hits of 2014. And most of them are still in the public conscience. Yeah. Like Pharrell, Katy Perry, John Legend, Iggy Azalea, Jason Derulo, Megan Trainer, Aria Grande. Uh, Aria Grande? Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Sorry. I love, I love your, they're, your they're pronunciation of artists. I'm their ballpark, whatever, I'm close. But <laughs> you combine you combine a Game of Thrones character yeah. with Ariana Grande, yeah, which I, I love it. I love Pitbull, it. Taylor Swift, Eminem, Christina Aguilera, and Lord. Like, I feel you, like all of the, a, a big chunk of those artists okay. are still putting out songs that are like doing well six years mm-hmm. later. Sure. People still know who they are. Like some of those that you named in there, I'm like, okay, they've really dropped off. They haven't released anything anymore, but people still remember them. Yeah. Most of those artists. But I don't think, I think when people are listening to Nirvana, I don't think they're not thinking of AHA. I don't think people are going like, did you hear the new AHA? (laughs) I don't think, I don't think people were, uh, you know, listening to Nevermind and and saying that. Uh, Whereas, you know, some of those artists, yeah. Yeah, this uh, song makes me think about when the sun always shines on TV. Yeah, <laughs> things really moved fast. the The musical landscape sure changed quickly, really quickly. I mean, you could do talk about. We're always talking about podcasts. Talk about a podcast that's just analyzing the five year gap, say between nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety one. Just like tracking what's happening to try to pace out, like what was like the nuclear explosion that just flipped a switch. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Even the sounds of the recordings changed so much between, I mean, once again, this is kind of an anomaly when we're talking about Nirvana oh, and yeah. like when it comes to the mainstream and like something that sounded so raw. I don't think it'll ever happen again. Honestly, I don't think something on that level will ever happen again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might take, it take a really long time, yeah. but that aside back to aha, 
So, I mean, we can wrap this up in a couple quick stories. 2010, after the release of their ninth album, they officially parted ways. 2015, there was rumors of the 30-year anniversary of Take On Me that they might reunite, and they did, and released the 10th album. 2017, they recorded an episode of MTV Unplugged. So there's an AHA MTV Unplugged out there. And then of June of this year, AHA the movie premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival about a documentary about the history of the band uh, that was filmed on a bunch of their tours over the last couple of years. And they have another film and album expected to drop next year. Wow. I got (laughs) to dig in. We were doing this episode on spur of the moment, kind of (laughs) Matt sitting in my kitchen and we did this spur of the moment. And now I got to dig in more on aha i guess i didn't realize this is a very long running band we're talking 36 years since their hit and yeah. and i don't know how long they were together even before. oh that was their first song that was their first song yeah so that was the first thing they wrote um obviously the song is like unescapable popped in to countless movies video games tv shows like it's not worth even listing everything because it's like the go-to, like you said, it is the go-to 80s parody. Mm-hmm. If you're watching a cartoon like Family Guy, they're going to do a Take On Me parody at some point. Mm-hmm. If you're watching The Simpsons, they'll find a way to do it. South Park. like It right. is the go-to music video to parody if you're trying to do something from the 80s. Right. Did Weird Al ever parody this? I think he did the visual style in like the UHF music video, but I I know he never did a direct take mm. on me parody. It might be in a polka. What would have been his parody the, of take I was on gonna, me? I was like, it might be food related and be something about peas. <laughs> like, take on peas. I don't know. That's a stretch. Bake on me. <laughs> oh uh, my God. We forgot to also mention we brought up the covers. We brought up like a real big fish. Weezer topped the charts very recently with a take on me cover. Not a particularly good one, but like, dude, those Weezer covers. That was a bad album. I just mean they they picked like the most overdone, like covered a million times songs. Like yeah, it was it was a we- and they didn't do anything interesting or unique with any of them. No. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking they did do a music video for Take on Me. It was Africa was the one that like fucking blew right, up for right them. right yeah. right did they do take on me on that too here's where this this cover album is insane to me so here's the full track list africa everybody wants to rule the world sweet dreams are made of these take on me happy together paranoid by black sabbath mr blue sky by elo no scrubs by tlc mm-hmm. billy jean by michael jackson and then stand by me yeah it was a lot of like on the nose like africa was just like oh this song's already like come back into resurgence among people people already like like this song again a lot and then they did it like it felt like too late or something like well, the, i think if i remember correctly that whole thing stemmed from someone tweeted at them yes and they were like all right we'll do this right like as a joke and then i don't think they expected it to like skyrocket on the charts i at mean all. Like, i mean i guess i can't blame them <laughs> yeah like okay <laughs> if that if that works fine we'll we'll do it weezer's one of the greatest bands ever so influential especially those first few albums and then I could see the argument. I could see people arguing that 
Weezer's one of the best bands of all time. I could see someone arguing Weezer's one of the worst bands yeah. of all time. It's like Red Hot Chili Peppers. You could, I think you can argue either side and have some legit points. You know, sometimes I know my own band, I think artists in general tend to overthink things and really be too precious. No one can, no one can accuse Weezer of that. Weezer has constantly been putting out albums Usually they have at least a few good songs. Usually they have some really bad songs on them. No one can say that they don't put out music. No, that they, they, that they, they, that they, they wait. definitely do. <laughs> yeah, they put out a lot of music. And whether that's a good or bad thing, I think it, if Weezer ceased to exist tomorrow, give us a year or two and we're and a lot of us who like music are going to be like, Oh man, we didn't appreciate Weezer. You know, Weezer was coming around on tours and stuff and I wasn't even going and seeing yeah. them. And like, I think that that's where we're at with them. <laughs> Whatever that but that's back, beside but the point. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. we'll, get, we'll jump back to, uh, uh-huh. I mean, I, they're an interesting band. I love their longevity. Yes. Like I, I love that for close to th- nearing 40 years now, they have never changed their lineup. It's just been these three dudes writing tunes and touring the world. And there's something kind of inspirational in that where it's just like they had their hit. And like you said, it's the opposite of some of these other bands mm-hmm. where they had their hit. They couldn't get a second hit. So they just hung up the towel, like threw in the towel and called it a day. Well, apparently they were, and, and apparently they were very successful in Europe more yeah. so than in the United States after that. So it's not like they had no success at all after that. They apparently had long success and which all got, kick-started with this song with take on me and i give them a lot of credit for that and now i want to see this documentary and i want to hear the more recent music i think that you gotta give them a thunder for a band that with their first song ever were able to make a 36 plus year career out of it i think that is the definition of thunder and something that i complain about a lot of the bullshit artists that we've talked about on here not doing, getting the hit, crying about the hit. Like, oh, that's, you know, complaining about having one hit. I don't think this band has done that. I think they've made a a, a long career out of it. I say Thunder. And I agree with you. I mean, uh, like you said earlier too, like an artist that I can't believe it took us 100 episodes to even get around yeah. to. Like the the quintessential 80s one hit wonder. This could have been <laughs> our first episode. It oh, it probably should have been. Yeah. But it was whatever. We saved it for 100. Yeah. You had to stick around to earn the aha. Yeah. But sure. This is yeah. our aha moment. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Stories through silence And we laugh at the end And declare that today Was the best day we've lived But the end of the night Draws a come to the dark Where I dream you This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalius of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net Underneath me you're hearing the Punchline Piano rendition of The Coldest of Calendars that you can find on their B-Sides compilation Night Lights. Visit punchline.com for information on future Punchline shows, releases, and merchandise. We're on Patreon now. Visit us at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast for bonus material, early access to episodes, and a chance to help us decide what songs we should discuss in future episodes. 
Do you want to hear your song on the show or have an interest in sponsoring an episode? Contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. There's a letter here waiting to go in the mail in my head. It's all there, but I'm not quite prepared to fade away. Don't fade away. Somehow I'm trying to do this right. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>